0: Thank you so much for your support of the Myers Mallory State Missions offering and especially for your prayers during the week of prayer for state missions.
1: You guys have been so phenomenal um, in praying for for church
0: planters like myself and I want to encourage you to continue to do that across our state. Through prayer you can
1: touch every corner of the earth as you call upon the name of the Lord. Because of our partnership with you here in Alaska, uh, we are able uh, to reach far more and far deeper for the kingdom of God than we ever could before. We are grateful for you and for your partnership and for the many volunteers who make Alabama Baptist Disaster Relief an effective ministry. Remember now, your gifts and your prayers make a world of difference in a world that needs a difference made. Thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. May God bless you. All right. That is the Myers-Mallory offering. So what we are doing is we want to remind you guys, continue to put in front of you uh, about our Give to Go offering. It is next week. Myers-Mallory is one of the missions organizations that we support through our Give to Go Missions Offering. Uh, a while back, uh, most churches, we, we they, they have different offerings. So you've got the uh, International Mission Board, the Lottie Moon uh, Offering, if you are familiar with those terms. If you've been in, you know you've been in Baptist Church for a while, if you know those names. Uh, that name, if you know... Uh, Uh, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong is the North American Mission Board, uh, and so that's involved in church planning and all of the things that are going on in in North America. Uh, We also support the state. That is the Myers-Mallory Missions Offering and we support the three current partners that we have in Neighborhood Bridges, in uh, Church of the Oaks, and Favor City in Vegas. Uh, all of those partnerships are supported by our missions offering. Uh, it is above and beyond the tithe. We challenge our folks to to give to that. We don't ask for money year-round um, in different offerings, but we do push this single offering. And so... <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and so I would ask that you be continuing to pray about what the Lord would have you to give. Now, there's multiple ways to give, uh, we, we, you can do it as a one-time gift and you can do it in the form of pledges. My family and I prefer to do pledges where, uh, we can give a little more typically if we can budget throughout the week, the year to do that. And so you will have pledge sheets next week in your bulletin so that you're able to, to track that if you would like to do it that way, um, as well. So we try to make it as convenient as possible, but that is our missions offering. So all that we do in our that we have as a church uh, is funneled through that Give to Go missions offering. And so next week will be a, a special service about that and for that, uh, and we would just encourage you to come ready uh, to give. I believe we raised over $17,000 last year in missions giving through our Give to Go offering from initially to the pledges made throughout the year. And so we'll continue to let you know that, but I want you to know that, that I have set as a pastor a, a, a budget or a goal of 20,000. I just believe we can do that. I believe the Lord's blessed us. I believe uh, we've grown. And so I would encourage you to pray that direction as my family, our staff, all of us have been praying for how we would sow into that ministry. But we do wanna put that in front of you uh, because it is important, it is coming up, and we would ask that you seek the Lord on that. Uh, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter eight. By the way, women, you are meeting tonight. Uh, And y'all are continuing your Bible study through Experiencing God, so we hope to see you there, ladies. You can still purchase books at Next Steps, if you have not already done so, for $20, just so we can recoup our price. I know these ladies would love to fit you in. Even if you're a week behind, you've got plenty of time to catch up. The way that we've, we've got it worked out, you, you have plenty of time to catch up. We would love for you to do that, okay? Matthew chapter eight. We're in our final message on This Is My Story. It is uh, testimony-driven. This is not just a uh, series that we are tracking on Sundays, though this is a combo series, which means you hear about it on Sunday and you hear about it in home groups. And so if you've not plugged in there... Please plug in and be a part of Life on Life with people in home groups where we have talked about uh, our testimony. We have written out our testimony. Some of us have shared our testimonies with the group. Um, we've talked about how to share Christ in the context of family. That was last week. How do we share it with our kids? How do we share it with our families? Right? This is what God had given all the way back in Deuteronomy 6. Right? The vehicle for evangelism begins at the family. And then, how we reach others, how we reach our coworkers, how we reach our friends, lost family members, how are we light and salt? We're talking about those things. And so, we will finish up this week with our uh, This Is My Story home group. You don't want to miss it. Uh, We've talked about, on Sunday mornings, we've talked about the woman at the well. We've talked about the Philippian jailer. We've talked about Samuel, who was given an incredible start, an incredible foundation, but eventually made his faith his own and served powerfully the people of Israel. Today, we are going to talk about the leper The leper, we find it in Matthew chapter eight, beginning in verse one. Today we'll set yet another example of how an encounter with Christ can change not only our life, but also the lives of others as we look at the leper. The first thing we see is the encounter, right? This familiar outline that we have adopted for the last four weeks. We see the encounter in Matthew chapter eight, verse one. When he came down from the mountain, Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper full of leprosy came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Father, we know that you possess the power to make us clean. Lord, whether that is through your grace, through justification, that Lord, maybe there's some that need a relationship with you today. God, you can make them new. You can exchange their heart of stone and place within them your heart, a new heart and a new mind. Lord, I pray that you would do just that. But God, maybe that grace is through sanctification. It's through the Slow removal of our flesh and our self in order to bring you more glory. God, I pray that you would do that in our hearts and lives. Lord, we know that you will and we know that you can change hearts today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, there's a few things that we need to understand, some backstory to understanding this encounter that Jesus has with the leper. It says there that he was coming down from the mountain. Well, what mountain is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus' three-chapter-long, read Matthew 5 through 7, three-chapter-long address entitled The Sermon on the Mount. So he is descending the mountain Off of an incredible time of teaching where he's teaching his disciples, go back and look, the disciples are gathered around, but a large crowd is also listening in. And Jesus is teaching them secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It's a very ethical discussion. It is detailing what it looks like to live a life in obedience to God. And we look at that and we go, well, Jesus is telling us more stuff that we need to add to our list of things to do in order to bring glory to God, right? You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I would say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust in their heart has committed adultery in their mind. Well, thanks, God. Now, I've got it. now it's not just adultery. I've now I've got to worry about thinking about a woman. You've heard it said, don't kill anybody. Well, I'm good in that. But Jesus said, I'd say unto you, anyone that harbors hatred is, is worthy of judgment. Well, shoot, I hate people, right? And so if you're not careful, you'll look at that and go, well, this is another list. God just adding more and more of things that we need to do, but what he's actually doing is he is unveiling the heart that is required to pursue Christ in this new kingdom. It's not another thing to do. It is about our heart. And by the way, that message had been completely lost for Israel. Though they were even obedient in ways, they were completely disobedient in their heart And in so doing, they were guilty. And so he was unveiling the heart of God and what that looks like played out in the lives of people. And as he comes down, many people follow him. And it says, and behold, a leper uh, a leper came to him. One translate, or one uh, gospel account tells us the man was full of leprosy. Well, what, what's, what does that mean? That means there was times in Old Testament and, 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 and even into Jesus' day where leprosy was misdiagnosed. It was not as severe or not as bad. It was not terminal. It was used a lot of times to describe any kind of skin disease, and time would tell often if it was life-threatening, if it would kill you or not, right? And so many times it was misdiagnosed. So just to make sure we know that this was not a misdiagnosed case, what this man has is what is more than likely what is known as white leprosy. It was a skin disease that when it had its full effect, your entire body was covered with sores. You were almost transformed into a complete white color and you would rot from the outside in. Your body would literally undergo a process of rotting. And so this was not some misdiagnosed case. This was a man who had spent many, many years with a slow progressing disease known as white leprosy and at this point in his life was full of the leprosy, it says that he came and he knelt before him. One uh, one gospel account tells us that he knelt with his face to the ground, completely humbled before Jesus, and he said, "Lord, if you will, you can make me clean." The Sermon on the Mount was significant because Jesus was teaching in a way that no one had ever heard. He was teaching as one with authority. You've heard it said, but I say to you. He had demonstrated absolute authority in the way that he had taught. He had also performed a few minor miracles. Remember the turning water into wine. That was a miracle that he had performed. It says in other scriptures elsewhere as we read the harmony of the Gospels that he had healed some of diseases. There were blanket statements that were made that Jesus had worked some miracles and healed some from disease. But nothing that he had done to this point would have ever in the mind of man led them to the place to where a leper, one who was mandated by the law to stay away from humanity, nothing that Jesus had done would have explained why this man came to Jesus. And here's why. In Leviticus, there is a detailed description of what it looks like to cleanse a leper, for a, for a leper to be declared clean. The priests would be who would declare the leper unclean. They would declare them a leper and they would sentence them to a life separated from all of humanity. But it was also the priest in Levitical law who would declare the leper clean. Here's the problem. We have record in Scripture of people being healed of leprosy. Naaman being one, the Syrian commander who had come to Elisha, was healed of his leprosy. Miriam, Moses' sister, was healed of leprosy. Miriam predates the law, Now, whereas Naaman does not predate the law, he is not a Jew, so he is not under the law, so that does not apply. Before this point, there had never been a case of a single human being ever contracting and being declared a leper who had ever went through the process of being declared ceremonially clean again it had never happened and for generations and years and years and years people had, people wondered and waited to see if this 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 disease would be healed in fact it became so rare that the rabbis began to teach that this was only a miracle that the Messiah could perform. There were three of them. One was raising from the dead. Hello, Lazarus. One was the healing of a mute demon, the, the demon that could not call itself by name, which Jesus also did. And the third was that they only the Messiah could heal a person stricken with leprosy. The whole law... The whole process, seven to nine days of declaring a leper clean again, could not have been enacted until Jesus showed up on the scene. And so for, for uh, this man to approach Jesus, he was not approaching a miracle worker. At some level, he had to know that it was that this man possessed the power of God, that he was Messiah, because he had learned his whole life that only the Messiah can heal a leper, and the odds are stacked against me. There has never been a Jew healed under the law of leprosy, and so if he is coming to this man Jesus. We don't know how he knew, but he was convinced of Jesus' power. Because of this, there's no reason to associate the man's faith in Jesus to heal his leprosy with some, without some understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. But look at what he says. Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. When you study this phrase in the Hebrew, it confirms the certainty of this man's belief that Jesus could, in fact, did possess the power to heal him of leprosy. This man, in some some way, knew that Jesus possessed the power of the Messiah, that he was the Messiah because he could heal leprosy. He was not uncertain in that. He was uncertain, though. His uncertainty was not in Jesus' ability, but in Jesus' will. By the way, when we pray, when we seek God, we must come to him in faith, like this leper, convinced of God's power over our circumstance, but submissive to his will. This is the posture that we take in prayer. If you will I know that I can be healed. So this man comes in great faith. This man uh, destroys, I mean, you gotta, I I picture the disciples running in every direction when they realize who this guy is, right? When they see the the whiteness on his skin, they, they know that he's a leper. He has not declared himself unclean and everybody is scattering. Except for Jesus. With leprosy came an attachment to sin. Sin was synonymous. Life altering diseases like that in that day were taught by the rabbis to be a result of sin. That man's, or, or generational sin. So, this dirty sinner, spiritually dirty in the minds of the people, uh, physically dirty and unclean in his leprosy, approaches Jesus. So let's look secondly at his engagement. Matthew eight verse three, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Did you catch that? No, let me read it again. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched what was unclean, touched what was a no-no. He touches this man's disease-ridden, highly contagious body. And he says, I will, indicating his desire to heal the man And he declares, be clean. Very, very simple. He doesn't wax poetic here. He just hits the high points, right? You're uncertain about my willingness to do this. I will be clean. And he touches him and immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, much is made of the physical aspect of Jesus's healing this leper. I mean, for good reason. If, the, if tradition taught that only the Messiah could do this, well then, yeah, this has extreme apologetic implications in this day. Jesus was who he said he was because he healed a leper, right? In the same way that Jesus was who he said he was, so he raised a dead man. Jesus was who he said he was, so he cast out a mute demon, right? These are important aspects. But allow me for a second to indulge the emotional. I don't think we think about the emotional ramifications of what this man went through. So let's see if we can relate. March 8th, 2020 was the last day our church met before COVID. We met in the old gym. We set up, broke down like everything was normal. We thought it was. We had heard about... COVID we 'd heard about Verona we 'd seen memes and jokes and all this stuff, but about midweek, we realized something was bad wrong. By Friday, we had canceled services, and I can remember y'all the i 'm a people person, and, and this is I'm a, look, I know that i 'm some of your weirdos when I say this. I get this. There has never been a time in my life where Alan Ostrischke has ever said, gosh, I have got to get away from these people so that I can just be by myself and recharge. Never done that. Now, I know some of you are like, that is crazy. I get that. My wife is one of those people who is thinking I'm crazy right now. I've married my weirdo, right? But she, I I have never been in that point. People energize me. Like, I love being around, like I legitimately do. I hope it shows, but I legitimately enjoy being around people. And at that moment, my life consisted of five. Me, my wife, and our three kids. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all remember what that felt like to be safe at home, Do y'all remember the isolation that we felt? So much so that we got on the, we did some of the most awkward things in church history, like getting on a Zoom call with everybody from our church just to see how we were doing. Do y'all remember how awkward those lobbies were? We called them like, we called them like Sunday night and Wednesday night lobbies. And remember when we did all that and we just talked about each other's life and weird it was it was crazy and dysfunctional and and dumb. But we needed some type of connection. Uh, I was reading the world, according to the World Health Organization. During COVID, there was a 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression and suicide worldwide. People were isolated like never before. I had my family, and that was certainly, well, there were times that it probably pushed me toward insanity, but by and large, kept me sane. I had connection. We could still snuggle our kids. We could still love on our husbands and our wives, right? Like we we had that in our homes. And I want you with that mindset to enter the life of this leper. That he would probably have been working, going about his normal everyday routine and a lesion comes up on his skin. Doesn't think a whole lot about it. Keeps doing day after day after day but eventually it gets worse and he begins to tell his wife about it right because it takes a long time for men to admit that we're sick in any way he tells his wife about it and she agrees it looks sketchy but hang on because that's pretty serious let's see if it gets any better they give it a little more time it's getting worse not better and finally to protect his family like some of y'all we've had to do took measures to isolate herself he leaves and he goes to the priest he presents himself to the priest and after a time of quarantine they realize it's not getting better it's getting worse this man has leprosy he receives the diagnosis and this kind of diagnosis it's not a hey kiss your kids goodbye hug your wives like we're we're you're you're leaving it's a don't pass go don't collect two hundred dollars here's this leper colony get there now the man goes from interacting with people on a day-to-day basis to never having human interaction and touch, more than likely for years. This man is completely isolated. You remember, remember the fear that was associated with COVID and what happens when I actually get it? I'm still asking that question, by the way. Some men are just, I'm just too manly to get it, I guess, and I'm knock, knock on wood here. But, If y'all know me for any amount of time, you know I've shared that with y'all. It's a point of pride. One day I'll probably get knocked down a level or seven. Um, uh, But what's gonna happen when this disease hits? Well, the man knew it was gonna happen when his disease diagnosis was handed. He was gonna die. Nobody had been healed of this for centuries. It's a death sentence. In his isolation... Away from human touch, can you imagine what the hands of the Savior felt like to him? He didn't just say, Chow, you're healed. Stay over there, nasty. He reached out his hand and he touched him. Let me tell you why. There wasn't healing like this going on. Nobody dared touch something that unclean. The rabbis surely didn't. Let's let the Messiah do it. Because we ain't going to do it. He touches him. And for the first time, the man feels human contact in years. More than likely, years. But it doesn't end there. Because what rings in his ears is, I will be clean and instantly he's healed that's easy to gloss over think we have a at least some lifeline to understand and relate to his circumstance but multiply what our experience has been times a thousand this is what this was every day for this man and god reached down and healed him many scholars see this miracle as a foreshadowing of what Christ would do on the cross. Jesus had the audacity to get in the filth, to touch what was unclean. And through his cleanliness, he made clean the leper. It's exactly what Jesus did When he took the my sin and your sin on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in exchange we could be the righteousness of God in him. That's a sweet deal, y'all. That is a sweet exchange. He took all that I could accumulate in this life, the rags that I had and he exchanged them for righteousness through one touch from the Messiah. The man was immediately a man who had no purpose. He had no place. He had no people. The man through one touch of the Messiah was restored to community. Physically, and spiritually he was restored to community and he had a life that was filled with purpose y'all check out this story
0: My name is Libby McMillan, and this is my story. So I was raised by a mom um, who had an addiction to drug and alcohol, and I grew up as a foster kid in and out of the system. I often felt unwanted. Um, I felt like I had to earn people's love and like I was never good enough, or I was too much. My mom was very neglectful, um, verbally, and sometimes physically abusive. She called a woman named Kim, who was my dad's niece, and said, I don't want her anymore. She's too much, you can have her. Uh, From there, I was 14, my freshman year of high school, I met my best friend, Gabby. I remember one time, Gabby had asked me, do you believe in God? I was like, yeah, of course I believe in God. Well, she assumed that meant I was a Christian. So she (laughs) invited me into youth group and church and all the things. And from there, I got to have um, an encounter with Christ. My entire life, I had to prove my worth and earn people's love, and then I heard the gospel that, it, that Christ's love is freely given to us and that we don't have to earn our salvation. For someone as a foster care kid who constantly had to prove my worth and try to get these foster families to love me, knowing that I didn't have to do anything to earn it, that was radical to me. And so, at that time, I invited Jesus to be in my heart. From there, I grew in my relationship with the Lord. I had a spiritual mentor. She helped encourage me to step into a leadership role. I felt like God was calling me to a life of ministry. Uh, James 1.3 says, The testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that would be my encouragement to you today. Step out in faith, even if it terrifies you. Trust that God's gonna be with you every step of the way and know that he will meet any expectations.
1: Man, I'm so thankful for sharing that sharing that testimony. Can't imagine I can't relate. It's her story. Someone who though she may have had a, a physical in her head, man emotionally felt like then, then there was not a place for her to belong consistently. And one touch, one touch from the Savior, she was made clean. She's given a life of purpose and meaning, a, long, a longer futility and death. Ephesians tells us we, in our, in our transgressions and our sin, we are dead. This leper understood that feeling dead man walking i will be clean this is an engagement with the messiah this is what he can do in our life not making good bad people good people but making dead people alive look thirdly at the effect. Matthew 8, 4. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Mark 145. You can turn there if you like. It's going to be on the screen. <laughs> we get a little more information on what this guy did. He did not not tell anyone. He went out and he began to talk freely. It's almost like I can picture in my mind's eye Jesus saying, don't tell nobody, go right to the priest. And like literally the first person walks by and he's like, and you and he could like see him explaining what happened. Like, you know, like, can you, can you imagine that? Like, can you see that? He goes and he explains Freely, talks freely about it. And to spread the news, like not only did he not, was he like, man, I was on my way to the priest and you see what had happened was. Like, no, 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 no. I'm leaving and I'm telling everybody, right? Everybody has got to know. So that Jesus could no longer, this is how much he spread the news. Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places Like, he banished Jesus' ministry to desolate places because so many stinking people were around. And people were, people were coming to him from everywhere. <laughs> and that's so funny. In in case you want to know how popular this made Jesus, the very next story is the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. You know what happens in that story. The house is so stinking full of folks that three friends can't get a crippled guy in to see Jesus. They're packed around the door. It's not just they can't get to the door. They can't get to the door at all. There's so many people packed in. It's so stinking crowded. They got to tear the roof off the place to lower their friend down. Hey, this was the only way to get him to you. You know, like, sorry, tell him I'm sorry. You know, and lowering this guy down to see Jesus. And I I read commentary about, man, you know, I I don't know that the takeaway to this is this man was disobedient. There's reasons why. Maybe he didn't want, maybe Jesus told him this because he didn't want the external pressure of everybody knowing before the man presented himself to the priest. Because remember, these priests were known to fudge the facts as it concerned Jesus as long as it undermined his ministry. Well, this man said he did this. Well, he said that he would tear down this temple, and he'd build it back up. They didn't mind fudging the details. So maybe he's like, hey, man, this guy's got to be declared clean in seven to nine days. Go right now to the priest. Don't let all this external stuff happen. I think that's probably part of it. I think Jesus knew as soon as this man starts talking, word's going to spread. If this man can heal leprosy, this is... My, you know, my bunion is a piece of cake, you know, like, let's go, you know. So we don't know why he said it. We do know that in spe- specifically in Mark, there is that trend of Jesus not telling. Uh, when he, when the, the wedding feast in Canaan, what does he tell even his mom? Hey, what am I to do with you, woman? Kids, don't call your mama's woman. That's, that's a Bible thing. That ain't for today. What am I to do with you? My time has not come. What was he saying? We're not ready to let everybody in on this just yet, right? Like he, he protected this because there was a movement uh, beginning. But here's what I find ironic. I wrote this down. I think it's good. Let me say this first. While it may not have been in the order that he prescribed, you know what we see in the leper is an undeniable desire to share, An undeniable desire, an unescapable evangelistic response to his encounter with Jesus. And so this is what I wrote. It's ironic that the leper was restricted from sharing by Jesus, by Christ, but he shared freely of his own volition Conversely, today, by Christ, we have been called to share freely, yet we are restricted by our own volition. Paul said, It's not my teaching that has limited you, brothers. You're limited in your own affections, your heart is divided. I don't blame the guy. If Jesus had healed me from that, I'm telling everybody, like, hey, everybody, come here. I'm no longer Casper the friendly white leprosy ghost, right? Like, I, I, I can go. I'm going to go hang out with my family. I'm going to go be, spend time. Like, we're going to have feasts. I might get to the priest sometime today. I might not. Like, I want to tell everybody. I can relate to that. I would do the same thing. But then again, maybe I wouldn't. Jesus hasn't healed me of physical disease. But, church, He's healed us of something far greater. It just makes sense. Even against the instruction of the dude that healed him to share. And we are told to make disciples of every nation. And we sit on our hands and mum is the word. Those that have been healed, share it. Even when Jesus himself tells you not to. What's our hang up? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, may we not diminish the depth in which you have saved us. Greater than the leper, greater than the paralytic, greater than the demon-possessed, you have spanned the gap from eternal judgment and death to everlasting reward and life. Remind us of who we once were so that we can be adamant, passionate. Unashamed and unstoppable to share what you have done in our life with others. This is, no, may this not be a cute series that we did and we remember and we think that was neat when we heard all those stories. That was neat when we worked on those stories worksheets and had those discussions in small group but it would change the way we view what you've done in our lives and it would give us urgency to share with those that don't have it Lord I pray right now for the one that doesn't know you as Savior I pray that Right now, as you are doing business with their heart, I know your Holy Spirit is drawing them. I pray that today they would respond to the good news of the gospel, that you have made a way through our sin and our failure to be restored to a right relationship. If we would lay our lives down, you would redeem us, restore us, and sanctify us and give us a life of purpose and meaning for your glory there's somebody here and they don't know you as Savior. Pray that today they would make that decision. This invitation is given that they would stand, that they would come and talk to me. Talk to one of our counselors. They would not leave this place without getting right their relationship with you. And I pray for the rest of us. Lord, that you would move our in our hearts, in our lives. I pray where decisions need to be made. I pray that we'd make them. I pray that we'd act on it. Maybe that activity looks like coming and confessing things and laying things down at this altar. Maybe it looks like praying for somebody that you have already placed in our minds. You have already placed the name of the person that you have called us to share our story with. Maybe we need to be down this front and we need to be interceding for them. I just let us be where you desire for us to be. Use us we respond to you, you draw us. I pray for the one that needs to join. I pray for the one that needs to take first steps of obedience and follow you in baptism. Whatever it is you call us to do, I pray that we would not be restricted by us any longer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. and Amen. Would you stand to your feet? As we sing, this invitation is for you. Would you come?